Welcome to the Mexico Business Now podcast. This is A View from the Top, an open space for industry experts to share knowledge, information, and expertise on the most relevant topics, events, and happenings on their corresponding sectors. Welcome everyone to the newest edition of the Mexico Business Now podcast. I'm your host, Sofia Hanna, and here with us today is Carlos Robles, president of FEMIA and president and aerospace leader of AMBE Engineering. The Mexican Federation of Aerospace Industry, FEMIA, is a nonprofit association that brings together most companies in Mexico's aerospace sector. The federation was established in November 2007 to promote the development of the Mexican aerospace industry, and AMBE Engineering is a global consultancy firm with presence in Mexico, Brazil, and the U.S. The company provides manufacturing expertise in several industries, including automotive and aerospace. We're so happy to have you in our podcast, Carlos. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you for inviting me. It's my pleasure, and I hope we have a lot of information and lots of fun during this hour. Of course we will. Carlos, before we begin with the questions I prepared for you, I wanted to give you the floor so that you could introduce yourself, talk a little about your professional career, and how you became part of FEMIA. Oh, thank you. Well, I'm originally from Puebla. This is the first thing you have to know. So there's no aerospace industry there. I started in the automotive industry at Volkswagen. I was working there with all the machining and assembly of engines and powertrain for the cars. So that was my first job, actually. I'm a mechanical engineer from the lab in Puebla, and I'll always enjoy playing soccer and teaching. I, I've given classes of, well, soccer, uh, piano, engineering, leadership, so you call it what you want, but that's the thing I like to do. So being on the automotive, I learned a lot about the manufacturing world. And then yeah, around 2011, uh, Headhunter, it was a Headhunter that came and told me about Bombardier in the aerospace world in Querétaro. I honestly said no, like many, many times. I was not interested. I was really happy with my cars and talking German. And I was really having fun. And, and honestly, I said no, like 10 times. But this Headhunter was, I mean, she was like, hey, I know it should be you. So I ended up coming to a visit at Bombardier here in Querétaro. It was starting the operation here. I remember they opened the door of the shop floor because they wanted me to see around. And when they opened the door of the shop floor and I saw the big fuselage there being assembled, the rest is story, as, as we say, you know, that was 2011. And since that moment, I fell in love with the aerospace industry. So that's how I became part of Bombardier in 2011. And since the very first day, what they told me is, uh, we have a seat in the board of FEMIA, and you as a Mexican, we want you to start going there and learn and stuff. So after a month being with Bombardier, they took me to my first session at FEMIA, which I remember was at San Miguel de Allende. And that's where I started. Well, that's where everything started. From there, I was in charge of uh, the treasury of FEMIA for many years. I became vice president of the central region. And in 2016, I actually was elected as president of FEMIA. So after my two-year term, I became president honorary. And also I kept working with the team in, in, Aros, in the space commission. And also as vice president of the central region, which is mainly Querétaro, Guanajuato, El Bajío area. And uh, last year I was elected as a president again. So I think I have a second opportunity to do things way better. I think I did it well the first time, but now I know more about it and I'm more mature. And so this is how I end up being part of FEMIA. I find it very interesting, Carlos, because most people that are part of the aerospace industry, 
end up there by chance. No one seems to have the idea of being a part of it, but one day see it and realize, yes, this is the place I should be at. So how interesting that it happened to you too. Yeah, it, it was like that. And actually, I, I always tell this story that I said no, like many, many times. Actually, I was kind of rude with the headhunter. And I remember she kept saying, I think you will like it. You will like it. And she was right. I have to say that. And uh, honestly, I fell in love and I, I'm not planning to leave. I think it's hard to get into the, the aerospace industry because it's totally different from the automotive, especially when you come from the automotive. But once you're in and you understand it and, and you find your way around it, it's also really, really hard to get out. I mean, you really catch some passion about it. And it's really something that I'm really proud of. And I really enjoy working in this industry, really. I'm so glad. And I can see it in your face. You're so happy when you talk about it. Now, Carlos, I'd like to direct our conversation towards some information you've shared on your expert contributor pieces for Mexico business, which I find very interesting and which are very relevant subjects for the aerospace industry nowadays. And the keyword today, we could say, will be nearshoring. So I'd like to kick off by asking, how has the nearshoring trend impacted the aerospace industry so far? And what do you predict will be the long-term effect from this? Well, I will start from the last portion. I think the long-term effect is going to be that we're going to see more and more companies having operations in Mexico or any sort of relationship with the Mexican aerospace industry, having many of the companies already existent here as suppliers. I think that's going to be the long-term effect. I mean, in, I don't know, 10, 15 years, we will look at the aerospace industry in Mexico in windows. Between 2000 and 2005, that would be the window of where it all started. And then around the, you know, 15 years after, around now, it would be the window with really take off. I think nearshoring is for real. I have to admit that I had some doubts before Q3 or Q4 last year because I, I was hearing a lot about it, but I was not seeing much action. But then starting October, November last year, it's for real. It's a big wave of actions and companies talking to us. I mean, I have the luxury of being in both ways through FEMI and through AMBE. I have companies really looking into what's going on, how can I be part of the trend, and I need to be there for a fact. There's multiple cases where we saw that uh, companies more and more starting to try to find out what's going on and what are the chances they have. For me, there's three main aspects that are actually happening or three ways that the nearshoring is being reflected in, into the Mexican aerospace industry. The first of it, it's uh, there's many operations that are already in Mexico that are trying to expand their existing operations nowadays, either through acquisitions or transferring new processes from other countries. I saw multiple examples in Chihuahua, in Querétaro, in Monterrey, where companies that are already very well established are talking about 2023 as the start of the strategy to expand operations, to bring another division, to open a new facility, to transfer more processes to whatever they already were doing. So there's a lot of conversation going on in regards of those processes. The second way, it's there are many other companies that do not have any presence in Mexico. And it's fun because somehow the speech is always like, you know, we just realized we don't have any presence and we really need to be there because the market is growing in the United States because the nearshoring trend is asking us to be closer to our customers and to our supply base as well. And so this uh, whole trend, it's meaning that they are looking into opening from Greenfield 
or even through acquisitions to have operations in Mexico. I currently have lots of questions on, for example, composites on like who's operating in the composite world because I, I would like to either open a facility or purchase the facility of somebody else that might be willing to sell or, or have a joint venture or a partnership. And then the third one of, of the trends that I'm seeing in terms of nearshoring is that there are many big companies, OEMs, tier ones, with a very high buying power that uh, realized as well, somehow, like one day the sun goes up and they realize, oh, by the way, we don't have any suppliers from Mexico or we don't have many suppliers from Mexico. So they are not operating. They probably will not operate in the short term in Mexico, but they really want to have suppliers from Mexico not only because it's Mexico, it's mainly because they would be really close to their operations in the United States. It's the same time zone. There is already certain level of credibility that we've gained in time through the quality that the Mexican operations are delivering, through the accuracy, the on-time deliveries. So it's not for free. It's something that I think we're capitalizing right now, what we've done for the last 20 years in aerospace. And this is now our credentials to come and say, hey, you can trust us, we're reliable, we're predictable, and we can help minimize the transfer of the moves that your parts or components are having nowadays. So in these three ways, it's how I see that the nearshoring is really coming into the Mexican aerospace sector. Carlos, additionally to this, have you noticed any shift in the Mexican projects due to the nearshoring trend? Is the Mexican industry changing the way they do certain things to become more relevant to companies coming to the country? Yeah, it's a need on one side. So it's, it's also the result of companies or buying companies asking for this. But uh, more and more companies are, are trying to be more vertically integrated. What I mean with this, there's a couple of examples of foreign investment uh, capital that uh, are in the machining world, for example, or sheet metal world where they were having only the main process, either they were machining or doing the pressing and stuff in Mexico. And the rest of the processes were done outside. They were done in the States, in Canada, somewhere else. Now, because volume is coming and because logistics also became so complicated for all the known reasons that are happening globally, they are trying to implement some more processes within their own chain. For example, they are trying to do some of the special treatment in-house or they are trying, if there's some simple assemblies, when I say simple assembles, it's basically, you know, installing bearings or nuts or some sealant or some, I mean, really primary activities. They need to be certified, but at the same time, they are not so difficult or you don't need a special machines to do it. They are also trying to expand into making a more complete component before sending it for the next portion of the process or to the final lines for assembly. So that's the way we're also seeing some trend in regards of how the processes are, are trying to be, as I said, more vertically integrated and at the same time having more capabilities in order to complete the component. That's on the process side, but there's also a trend in the human resources side where more and more companies are trying to hire more engineers, train them into the specs of what they are doing and having most of the decisions being taken in Mexico. Because before many of this uh, expertise or much of this expertise was done outside of Mexico. So let's say you had to do a rework or an engineering work. You have to wait until you send the information to somewhere else. It was work there. And then the answer came back. Now more and more companies are willing and are trying to establish an engineering base in-house 
in order to cope with all the needs that the processes they are work are having. And, and this makes sense in terms of cost, of, of course, but it also makes sense in terms of having the companies to be independent and, you know, depend only on their own resources in order to supply components faster, basically. And in previous interviews I've had with you, Carlos, you have mentioned that one of the main objectives of the industry is to have Mexico become one of the main aerospace hubs, for example, in order for us to be able to make our own airplane at home. So do you think this trend, nearshoring, could help us get there at some point? Yeah, I think the more capacity and the more processes we have in Mexico, that will help us to have something like that. I have always said that I think manufacturing-wise, we're not that far away from it because we have many, many processes already in Mexico. I think it's going to be more a matter of authorities and regulations that will enable or, or not a business case like that. But uh, also with new technologies such as EV tolls, uh, you know, vertical uh, takeoff vehicles or unmanned aircraft, I think um, more and more we will see that we will be playing in a more important and more comprehensive role within the supply chain. We already have capabilities in avionics, electronics, harnesses, structures, composites at many levels on the supply chain. But the other thing that we need to take into account is that buyers and actually what you are just describing in terms of having our own plane would need to have more vertical integration. Because till now, and even though there's lots of parts that are moving only inside Mexico, which is already a big improvement because sometimes they were moving to the States, Canada, and coming back to Mexico for different parts of the process. What everybody wants is to have one part that basically can be done from start till the end in the same facility instead of going back and forth to have different parts of the process executed. So I think we're still far in that sense uh, from having a complete aircraft being done in one facility here. But in terms of capacity, I think we're already having, like I said, skill sets and capacity in many fields that actually if you would be able to put them together, it would be a matter of having like a Frankenstein and, and having a, something that can fly. It doesn't work like that, but at the end of the day, it's in our interest to keep promoting the enhancement of the skill sets and the processes that, that we currently have available in Mexico. Perfect, Carlos. Thank you so much. Now, I want to change the subject to your freshly begun presidency term at FEMIA. And I think it is very interesting that you mentioned you were already president before. What year was that? 2016 to 2018. So I would love to ask you regarding this, what are your top priorities for the Mexican aerospace industry during your presidency? How do you plan to achieve them? And what differences do you see comparing what you can do now and what you could do in your last term? You know, this is something that many people ask and I think uh, the answer is very interesting. Although it's been only seven years now from the first time, it's not a huge amount of time, but the difference is that for me it's totally different. I think uh, back in time, we were having the first editions of FAMEX. I think the second one was the one I attended as a president. We were not having the place we have today in the global arena. We were also trying to uh, find a way to help clusters of different states in Mexico collaborate. I remember, actually, I signed a memorandum of understanding with the clusters in order to collaborate and, act, and have teamwork and act as one in promotion events abroad and even at FAMEX. So the needs were at the time more in, in terms of how do we play as a team, you know? 
Seven years after, the challenge is totally different. I think we're a very good team. I think we make good team with clusters. I, I think we make a good team with companies. Femia has grown, I think at 2016, we were probably around 70 to 80 members. Now we're over 120 associates. But that also brought a big challenge in terms of diversity because you have the big OEMs being part of Femia, that they are there to support, to even you know, help develop the aerospace industry because that's in their mission statement when they arrive to Mexico. But you also have the very small uh, family-owned businesses that during the last seven years just enter and have a few contracts in aerospace or just certified in AS 9100 and want to have more and open to the world of, uh, you know, being a supplier globally. So at some point that becomes a challenge because you have to have everybody happy, you know, you have to fulfill the needs of the big ones, but you also have to help the small ones to develop. And therefore, we were in a moment that is key to create a strategy for the next 10 years. Once you understand you have all this diversity, we need to make sure that we have the right strategy in order to help everybody grow. With that, the whole industry will grow and will attract more players, of course. And I think right now, one of the things I'm working with the team and with the council, it's really on how we're going to set the strategy for the next 10,000 years. We have been very successful so far. But we now need to focus on our strengths to grow them because there are many strengths that we need to exploit and monetize and, and even make uh, bigger. But there's also some weaknesses once you grow, like we saw growing pains that we need to overcome and have a clear path on how we will overcome in order to, to turn them into a successful action. So that's one of the main goals. The second one, and we've already talked a little bit about it, is really I do think that the nearshoring opportunities here, it's a, it's a window of time that will be limited. It's not going to be there forever. It's going to be there for a couple of years only. So we really need to make or find a way to benefit from this window of opportunity. We are promoting the country for operations, but we're also actively helping big buyers to turn around and understand our ecosystem boost opportunities. And this is something we do, let's say, for free. I mean, there's big companies, big buyers that uh, are coming into Mexico, knocking on our door, and that we say, okay, yeah, I will help you. I will put you in contact with all the supply chain so you really can know, understand what's available in the country, but also, you know, bring contracts and close deals with them. And in that portion, you become the link, you become the liaison between the buyer and the seller, and you keep many people happy because you make the big buyers happy by finding products and components in Mexico. And then you make your membership very proud of, of being part of EMEA because they see as something that actually really brings any sort of benefit by having this contract. So I think those two aspects benefiting from the nearshoring window and uh, also setting the strategy for the next 10 or so years as our membership has grown are two of the main aspects that we're focusing and we want to, uh, or at least my objective is really to, in two years' time, leave uh, FEMIA not only stronger, but also ready for whatever comes in the following years. Also, you're coming into this position in a very intriguing time because we are still seeing repercussions from the pandemic and the supply chain shortage, but we are starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel and all the opportunities that brings along. Yeah, for sure. You're totally right. I mean, the pandemic was a big hit. The logistics changed the world. That sort of uh, accelerated because I think it was going to happen anyways, but that accelerated big time. The need to have suppliers close, which is the nearshoring or reshoring. 
But there's also some other trends that are happening around and are not related to COVID. You know, I think most people have read about the new racing to space with SpaceX and all these launches and all these satellite constellations that we're seeing that are starting to be developed. And then the joint venture with NASA and the willingness to have people living in the moon in, I mean, in five years is no longer like sci-fi. It's something that is really happening for real. So I think that also brings some sort of opportunity for us, not only near sharing, also, for example, space. It's a, a new market, new technology, and we think that we're ready to be a big player into it. And in the commercial aviation, we were, let's say, invited late to the show. So we're very good. We're already in the top 10 in the supply chain uh, in the world. But I think in space, we have the opportunity to be one of the, you know, incumbents, one of the first persons or, or industries being there and also one of the starters of the whole thing. So we have created in FEMIA a commission for space. It's already been very active. Actually, a couple of weeks ago, we have the first proposal of law for space regulation in Mexico passed through the Chamber of Deputies, and right now it's at the Senate. Actually, um, two days ago, Benjamin Ajar, who's the president of the commission, actually was there with the senators explaining why do we need a law and the why is that in that way we will be able to develop our own launch system and also being able to launch a spacecraft from Mexican soil. So it's key to have an industry. We're starting in the right place, and like I said, it's moving. Then whatever happens there, it's going to be existing supply chain and existing companies that would be willing to enter into the space. Well, we will have or are creating that ecosystem. So that's another key opportunity for growth and expansion. We also need to bring more buyers into Mexico. And you find this when you go to shows like Aromart or Rebourget or now Famex that actually everybody's coming here. Then you have the big companies asking us, hey, I need a, it happened already two weeks ago in, in Montreal. There's a big company that came to the Femia booth and said, guys, I'm looking for sheet metal machining. Can you help? Yes, for sure we can help. So we already provided lists. We're having meetings to follow up. And most likely they are going to come in a touring agenda where they will go to different states, meet people, meet potential suppliers, and then starting commercial negotiations. Like I said, this is not something we make money out of. It's more our mission to put together the need with the opportunity in order to keep growing the ecosystem of business in the aerospace sector in Mexico. Perfect, Carlos. Now, one of my last questions before we start closing the interview, something the aerospace sector has been doing given the pandemic and supply chain shortage is that companies that are in the sector are diversifying their industries. So in your eyes, how can collaboration between the Mexican aerospace industry and other countries and industries achieve common goals? Well, there's many needs in, let's say, in aerospace that probably are present already in Mexico, in automotive or oil and gas as well. I mean, it's very similar in the way engineering is made and the way of thinking. So we find similarities with these two industries in particular. So, yes, we are actually, even within FAMEX, we're having a seminar where we are helping or promoting the idea of companies to transition into the aerospace because there's good expertise, there's good technology already in place that can be very well used in the aerospace. It's sometimes only about the matter that people doesn't understand. They think it's more complicated or they don't have that as a strategical initiative. Like you mentioned, COVID and the logistic constraints that we're facing actually made lots of companies asking for this. 
we have many cases and successful cases where companies are transitioning from the automotive and or oil and gas into the aerospace. And we're there to help because one piece of advice I always tell the companies that ask me about it is that we already know the way. We already know the formula. Many of our members already walk that same path. And we really know how to help and who to refer and, and who can help you with the certification. The second thing you need to take into in mind is that if you're ready, because most of the existing operations in other industries already have some sort of quality system certified, like ISO or something like that. If you already have some sort of certification, you're really not that far away. I mean, yes, AES 9000, it's different and it has some tweaks. But uh, I would say you're 80% already there, and then you just need to focus on the specifics. So you're not that far away. And uh, most likely, it's going to present you know, a new opportunity for your business to be developed. It's hard to enter into the aerospace, yes, because it's certified and it's highly regulated. It's low volume and very highly customized. But at the same time, once you're in, it's really hard that you get out. You really have to really, really do it really bad in order for somebody to kick you out. So it's a long-term, let's say, engagement. It's a long-term opportunity, and uh, it's very stable. That's the other thing I have to say. So I, again, it's hard to enter, but once you're in, it's very stable, it's long-term, and, and usually the buyers are gonna take good care of you. The other thing that we're doing in collaboration also with other countries is that we're active part of ICAIA, which is the Association of Aerospace Associations. That's part of ICAO. And what we're doing there is we're trying to learn a lot. We're doing lots of benchmark. We're trying to collaborate with them. We're trying to have a change of experiences. So industries from other countries in other industries can look into the aerospace. And, and we, we have this uh, level of confidence that we are there to help, that we really can you know, help them transition to the aerospace. And the second thing is that uh, you really are coming if you decide to come into the aerospace, you're coming into a booming demand market. I mean, it's really booming. It's everywhere. Actually, two years ago, we were having conversations on what do I do with my capacity, my installed capacity at plants. Right now, the conversation is how do I cope with the demand I have? Because they are asking for too much or too fast or things like that. So we're in a growth uh, cycle and we need to benefit from it. So if somebody wants to transition into the aerospace, this is the right moment to do it, or one of the right moments to do it, because there will be more, but this is one of them. I love hearing that because during quarantine, most comments were, we don't know what to do. We have paused. We are trying to maintain the demand we currently have. And now it is the exact opposite, inviting people into the industry because of its potential and future prospects. So I love that, Carlos. And to start closing our interview, if you could give our listeners who are interested in developing in the aerospace industry some advice, what would it be? What could be the main opportunities they can take advantage of in the current environment? Well, uh, for sure, if somebody wants to join, it's because they already have some sort of expertise in what they do. Having said that, uh, I always think that if you're good at what you do, you have to look new ways to have success on it. So benefit from that experience. Benefit, like I said before, if you already have a uh, quality system, this is a good opportunity for diversification. It's a nice industry. You can catch some good passion about it, as you can see. This is the right moment because, like I said, the money is booming. And also, my piece of advice would be don't do it by yourself. There's multiple people that have already done it. So you can get in touch with them. We can help 
through FEMIA to put uh, you in touch with uh, whoever already done it. But also at FEMIA, we can also guide you a little bit in regards of what's needed, having a close assessment of where are you right now and what's missing to you know move into the aerospace, what would be your target uh, markets or target companies as a customers. So we really, I mean, have lots of business intel that we're always willing to share. So more and more people is interested into coming into this. It's not rocket science, although many of us, we work with rockets, but it's a way of saying that really this is the opportunity because there's many needs in the supply chain right now. And most of the processes are, they have many similarities with what's existing in the country already. So I think that's probably the best piece of advice is to really benefit from the guidance of of the people like us that we have done it already many times and we know where to go and what to do in case, you know, there's a problem arising because problems are part of processes as well. And if you could recommend a book, podcast, article, or some content that is related to the topics we have talked about here today, which would it be? Well, first one is read my articles at (laughs) Business Now. I mean, I tried to do that. At some point when I started writing them, I don't know, two or three years ago, I always take this portion of, I always think I'm writing for somebody that needs to understand what's going on with aerospace industry. So they are really educational, if you want. I try to be as simple as possible. But now being more more serious about it, there's also lots of material on FEMIA's channels on YouTube and Facebook. I mean, we have almost a webinar every two weeks. For the last three years, it has been like that. So if you do the math, there should be at least 60 webinars all ranging from uh, technical webinars on how to machine parts in aerospace because it's quite different from machining parts from other industries. But there are also some others explaining how the industry works, how you can get certified, who can help you certify. So all of those webinars by really high specialized people are there available on FEMIA's YouTube and Facebook channels. And I think that could be a good starting point to understand the industry and see how we can help and who you need to talk in, in case you really want to, to come into the aerospace. But uh, And even if you're already in the aerospace, like I said, there are very good technical webinars that are there available anytime. Thank you so much, Carlos. Those were all of the questions I had prepared. I don't know if you would like to add something or leave any specific message taken into account. This podcast will come out the week of FAMIX. No, I, I think the only thing I would add is that uh, Mexico has taken a primary role in the global aerospace industry supply chain. Not only there, there's also some very good technical people right now. For example, as a country, we're leading the helicopter MRO technical board of Cal, which is not something easy, but uh, we have that kind of level in our engineers in Mexico. We're also helping some countries in South America to become or to grow into the aerospace. So we're in between there. But there's also lots of things that we need to learn. And we are in contact with the big markets, with the big uh, OEMs, big suppliers, in order to learn, benchmark, and also see how we can collaborate. I think now and in the future, collaboration is the name of the game. And in those regards, we are always trying to find ways to collaborate within the global aerospace industry. Perfect, Carlos. Thank you very much for coming to our podcast and giving us some time to talk about the aerospace industry, which is fantastic. No, thank you. And it was really my pleasure and I had lots of fun. So whoever is invited, please come and join because it's really fun doing this.
<laughs> I'm glad. And for everyone listening to this podcast, go check out what Femia is doing. Check out their webinars and their website and social media. Go read what Carlos writes for Mexico Business News every month or so because it is very interesting and related to our conversation today. Don't forget to follow us, leave a rating and a review on whichever streaming platform you're using to listen to this podcast. And don't miss out on our audio articles written by experts across all our industries. And we'll see you next Monday with a new View from the Top.